Hey, come on, good morning, Go Church family. You feel good? You look so good. Hey, look at somebody right next to you. Come on, right next to you and ask them, say, have you lost weight? Go ahead and lie to them just a little bit. It'll make them feel good. So glad you're here today. Let me look in the cameras back of the room. Good morning to our West Side Atlanta campus, Montgomery County, Maryland campus. Everybody watching online, we greet you. We say good morning to you. Whatever campus you're a part of, even in this room, can you put your hands together? Just welcome your Go Church family. Come on, let's go. Come on, come on, come on. We always give honor to the brave men and women those who have served in the military, those who are currently serving in the military, all of our courageous first responders. We wanna show you some honor and appreciation. If that's you, military men, women, first responders, would you put your hand up for a moment? And I want every campus to give some high honor here. Come on, God bless you right here. Thank you, sir. Come on, keep clapping. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm coming this way, God bless you. Keep clapping, come on, God bless you, thank you. All the way in the back, thank you. All right, we are now in the seventh week or what we're calling episodes of our current series called Binge the Bible. We did this a few months back, season one. This is season two. This is episode number seven. And the last few Sundays, my family and I, we have been out of pocket. And I wanna just tell you how much we appreciate um, our board of trustees here at Go Church, my accountability partners, and just your kindness to allow us a few weeks to refresh, refocus, get renewed. I tried to work on my tan, come on somebody, in Jesus' name, and I got a long way to go, but still, and it was just so refreshing. We had the opportunity uh, to visit some churches in person and online, and I can tell you this much, there ain't no church like Go Church. Come on, that's the truth right there. We are tremendously blessed. I'm blessed to be your pastor. Somebody asked me, you know, Pastor JC, why'd you take a few Sundays off? And I said, well, what God has called me to do here in the ministry of Go Church it is not a sprint, it's a marathon. I believe that if the Lord will grace my family and myself with his anointing and strength, I got 20 more years plus in front of me. So I'm not trying to just finish quick. I want there to be tenure and longevity and health. And so I appreciate a few weeks off and I'm back. I'm gonna preach for an hour and a half today. Come on somebody. So I got, I'm just kidding. It's like an hour and 20, but still. You know, a lot to say, and, but I do wanna pause because in, in my absence on Sundays, uh, we've had a couple of our staff pastors jump up here and preach, and I just believe in honor. I believe that God honors honor, and I wanna show some appreciation to our campus pastors, Pastor Eric, Pastor Lisa, and then our two executive pastors, Pastor Jeff, Pastor David. What a good job, come on. Throwing it down. Man, they threw it down. We are, our whole staff is just exceptionally gifted and anointed. And these individuals that, that spoke on these Sundays, they, they preach the way that they do because of the life that they live. So, so you, can, you can never be who you wanna be publicly until you are who God's calling you to be privately, at least in the kingdom. Now you can fake it and some people do, but I can tell you one thing about our team here. Uh, there's, these are genuine, authentic, real, God-loving, Christ-serving, spirit-filled 
people of God. And we're just so blessed by the team at all of our campuses. And so big shout out to those individuals. But hey, um, I will say this, daddy's home. Come on, somebody. We've been looking at the book of Acts and I'll give you this one thought and then I'll pray for you. Um, This has kind of been our driving thought of the whole series. So all of Binge the Bible is on the book of Acts, all 28 chapters of the book of Acts. And here's kind of been the whole theme. The book of Acts really does demonstrate what God can do in and through people and also in and through his church when we are fully committed to him, to the Lord, and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you this morning, as I was praying for this message and even preparing for this message, uh, the, the Lord really gripped my heart on this highlighted final thought here in this whole, whole line of thoughts. But what if this became your daily prayer? What if this became my daily prayer? Today, I wanna be fully committed to you, Lord, and I wanna be baptized in the Holy Spirit's power. That's a beautiful prayer. Today, I wanna be fully committed to you and I need your power, the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Let's take a few moments here. I always try to give you 10 seconds of just focus and concentration. This isn't like weird and it's not like yoga meditation or anything like that. It's just you've had a busy week, you will have a busy week. At the end of the day, we got 40 minutes together, all right? So if you're here, the Lord is here, what if you said, hey, I just want you to speak to my heart. I wanna leave this gathering different than how I walked in. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. In these 10 seconds, you pray this prayer. Today, I wanna be fully committed to you, Lord, and I wanna be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, and then I'll pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, every campus, 10 seconds, and then I'll pray. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Father, we come to you humble, thanking you for your sweet and awesome presence in this place. We know that in the presence of God, everything we need is available. And so we stand on your word with that truth. Whatever we need, we can find in you and you alone. So I pray for this message today. I pray that you would open up hearts, that you would open up ears, that you would open up spiritual eyes to receive what you have. Thank you for the word you put on my heart today. Lord, I I pray for me. I pray for strength in my body and mind. Lord, I pray that I always remain true to the calling of God on my life. When I was 19 years old and you called me to, to preach, the word you put on my heart was not to preach to impress people, but to preach to impact people. So Lord, I don't wanna stand up here with an impressive presentation. I wanna stand up here echoing what Paul told the church at Corinth, for I do not speak with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And that's what I need. We give you all of the glory and all of the honor, and we pray these things in the most powerful name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, one more time, let's bless the Lord together. Come on, let's go. Yeah. All right. Got to take some notes. There is a message note card in a seat near you. I want you to write down some thoughts today. Uh, Primarily, we're going to spend our time in Acts chapter 19. We'll sit for the majority of the message in Acts 19. We'll look a little bit at the end of Acts chapter 18. And again, this whole Binge the Bible series covering the book of Acts 
now in this seventh Sunday, we're about three-fourths of the way through the book of Acts, and so it's leading us to Acts chapter 18 and 19. But I do wanna go back to week number one really, really quickly here so that you can kind of see how the book of Acts is divided. And this is gonna sound complicated, but it's not meant to be. But the book of Acts is divided into Act 1 and Act 2. So there's different acts within the book of Act. You got it? Okay, I'll show it to you to help you. Some of us are, are better with pictures. That's me, come on. Act 1 in the book of Acts is all about Peter's ministry. His first sermon is preached after the day of Pentecost where Simon Peter, who is filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's given power greater than his own power, which he needed because before the day of Pentecost, he was a coward. I mean, he denied Christ three times before the rooster crowed, even around a campfire. Uh, when confronted by a teenage girl, he didn't even admit to be a follower of Jesus. But now, Acts 2, after the day of Pentecost, when Simon Peter receives the power of the Holy Spirit, he stands on the balcony of a two-story apartment building in front of a, a crowd of 5,000 people, and he says, hey, we're not drunk with wine like some of you think that we are. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. He's like, we don't even get drinking until about 12 o'clock. That's a joke. And he says, we're full of the Holy Spirit. And now he says, here's the sermon. Repent and be baptized. And over 3,000 people got baptized that day. And the Bible says that Christ has been adding to his church ever since. Then you go all the way through his sermons, you get to Acts chapter 11, and he's defending his reasoning for visiting the home of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, and he's preaching to the Gentiles there. That's the first act of the book of Acts. It's all about Simon Peter's ministry. But then the second act of the book of Acts is all about Paul's ministry. And we see Paul's transformational power, uh, transformational trans transformation. There we go. You'll get it together, JC. You see his transformation on the road to Damascus. So remember, Paul was Saul. He was murdering Christians, killing Christians. He has this transformational encounter with God on the road to Damascus. Saul becomes Paul. And instead of persecuting Christian, now he starts planting churches. And you see this on, on three what I, I consider to be four powerful missions trips if you include his trip to Spain. So you got powerful missions trips in the second act of the book of Acts. And he and his team, they go and they plant these churches in, in all of these different cities and regions and areas, Galatia, Thessalonica, Philippi, Ephesus, Corinth, Rome, and, and, and. And then unlike us today with our technology, you know, back then he had pen and paper, so he would write letters. So you and I, we might email or you know, text somebody or use social media to get a message out. He wrote letters. And so the New Testament is made up of, of 27 books. 13 of those 27 books are Paul's letters to these churches that were planted. So for example, and I know you know this, but just so we're all on the same page, when in your Bible, when you read the book of Galatians, that's the letter to the church at Galatia. When you read Thessalonians, that's Paul's letter to Thessalonica. Does that make sense? When you read the book of Ephesians, that's Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. All right? So again, the book of Acts is divided into two acts. Act one, Peter's ministry. Act two, Paul's ministry. And that's where we are now. Acts chapter 18, towards the end, we see that Paul is getting ready for his third missionary trip. And he's partnered up with really a powerful couple in the kingdom of God, Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla, Paul met in the city of Corinth, 
and he took a liking to them because of the similarities that they shared. So Paul was a tent maker, so were this married couple, Aquila and Priscilla, they were tent makers. And so they traveled together and they did ministry together. Well, Paul was gonna get on a, a ship and sail to Caesarea, but in Acts chapter 18, you see that Aquila and Priscilla, they buy a ticket to get on this boat and they're gonna stop in the city of Ephesus. Now, in Acts 18, verse 21, you can read it in the, in the surrounding verses. When the ship comes into the port there at Ephesus, the people are demanding that the apostle Paul stay in Ephesus, but it wasn't yet his time to stay. Aquila and Priscilla get off the boat, but Paul says, watch what he says right here in verse 21. I will return to you again if it is God's will. Now, this is a, like a mini sermon within a sermon. I think some of you really need to understand this verse. Just because you have a plan doesn't mean it's God's plan. And I think some of us are very good at determining you know, our own plans without saying, this is the desire of my heart, but I'll cover it with this truth that let it be the Lord's will. Let it be God's plan for my life. Ultimately, it was God's will for the Apostle Paul to return to Ephesus. And it wasn't by coincidence, and it wasn't by accident. And let me tell you, God is not a coincidental God. God is not a God of accident. God is a God of strategy and intentionality. And everything that God does, he does on purpose and for purpose. Can I get 50 people to say amen to that? So God sends Paul back to the city of Ephesus to really build on the church that had been planted there. Just real quick, you can take a picture of this. Let me show you the significance of Ephesus. Ephesus literally means desirable. And this location, this city was desirable for people to live. Much like America. People all over the world wanna come to America. It's funny how Americans gripe and complain about America when the rest of the world would do anything they can to get to America. Sometimes we just need, and it doesn't mean we can't get better. How many of you know we can get better? But man, we are blessed. We, we are rich and we are favored. And so much like America, Ephesus was desirable. It was the capital city of a Roman province in Asia. It was a significant center of trade. It was located near a harbor at the mouth of the Caister River in Western uh, Asia Minor. Ephesus had all kinds of roads that would connect you to other significant cities in the province of Asia. So if you were to take one road north, it would take you to Babylon via Laodicea. If you were to take another road south, that road would take you to Smyrna. You could take a, another road east or west and get to all of these connected cities. Now I know we have a campus in Maryland, uh, but specific to us here in the Atlanta hub, it's kind of like Atlanta, like you, you're only a few hours from everything here in Atlanta. In a few hours you can be to the mountains, in a few hours you can be to the beach, in a few hours you can be to your office. Come on somebody. It'll take a few hours, you know. Ephesus was known for its amphitheater. Now you go back thousands of years ago. Now nowadays, you know, you've got stadiums that are billion plus dollar stadiums and, and we're not even wowed at the technology and design anymore. But you go back thousands of years ago and the Ephesians built at that time the world's largest amphitheater that held over 50,000 spectators. It's tremendous. I mean, it's just, it's really almost unbelievable. And it was also known for the location of the great temple of Artemis, also known as the goddess of Diana. 
Uh, this is still known as one of the great seven wonders of the ancient world. And so this, this uh, great temple of the goddess Diana was also a huge part of the economy of Ephesus. So what would happen is there would be craftsmen that would make little gods, lowercase g gods, because there ain't no God like our God. I just thought I'd throw that in there. They would make these little shrines or, or these, these little statues that, that bypassers, travelers, or people that even lived within Ephesus could buy, take on their journey or take home and worship that false God. Now, eventually, if you keep reading Acts chapter 19, you'll see that when the gospel of Jesus perpetuated into Ephesus and people started getting saved and they turned away from false religion, then some business owners got mad at Paul and Christians and the gospel because the economy started downturning. Could you imagine if revival swept across America? And I'm not condemning anybody, but, but what if this whole like, and I know we've got kids in the room, but what if like this whole porn industry just went bankrupt? Drug and alcohol industry just went bankrupt because people started giving their hearts to the Lord, all right? Now, I want you to see this. Paul, he, he was a missionary. He traveled from city to city and he didn't stay in one place for very long. There are a few occasions where Paul would settle for an observable period of time, but here in Ephesus, he stays for almost three years. For three years. Now, now we're gonna get into Acts chapter 19. And I'm, I'm literally, in, in 30 minutes, I'm gonna walk through all 20 verses. Now there's more, but the first 20 verses in Acts chapter 19. But I'm gonna start at the end, and then we'll go back to the beginning. Because I want you to see the fruit of Paul's ministry and his commitment and discipline to stay settled in a place until God said go. Some of us are always looking to get out of somewhere when maybe God has called you just to stay there and be a witness and a testimony for the people that are there. Listen, you're gonna have to help me preach. The more you amen, the faster I go. That's about two days worth of preaching right there. Y'all need to pick it up. Look at Acts 19, 20, watch this. In this way, so after three years of Paul's ministry, commitment, preaching, anointing, favor, blessing. In this way, the word of the Lord did what? Spread widely and grew in power. Every campus, I want you to read verse 20 on the count of three. Come on out loud, one, two, three. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. You know what I would call the outcome? You know what I call this? Radical revival. Revival. Now, it's not coincidental that we just came out of three nights of revival here at Go Church called Deeper. Each night at every campus, tremendously powerful. And it's not coincidental that here we are in Acts chapter 19 and we're seeing Ephesus in the middle of a radical revival. Now, this is what I've learned in my own experiences, but more importantly, in studying scripture, that whenever revival happens, there are significant experiences that will, will will kind of come to fruition in the revival. They're, they are contributing factors prior, during, and even after. Today, just in Acts chapter 19, I'm gonna give you five significant experience during a radical revival. Now, I wanna preface these five thoughts with this. Number one, this is not an exhaustive list, meaning I do not believe that there's only five experiences that you can experience during a revival. I refuse to put God in a box. 
God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, with whoever he wants, however he wants. So this is not an exhaustive list to say that during revival, there are only five experiences, but I would say there's not gonna be less than these five. You following me? More than sure, less than, not probably not, okay? So, so the first significant experience that, that I see in this radical revival in Ephesus, and again, you gotta imagine that Ephesus worshiping false gods, erecting false idols, witchcraft, idolatry, the church at Ephesus is planted, Paul is preaching, we'll learn about Apollos here in just a moment, and the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in great power. Revival hit Ephesus. And listen to me, if revival can hit Ephesus, revival can hit America. I believe it, I believe it. So the first thing that we'll see during radical revival is a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may be unfamiliar with the, the person of the Holy Spirit, this whole series, we've talked a lot about that in our deeper nights. We're really centered on the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But even if you are unfamiliar, you know when you walk into an, in an environment, into a room, into a moment, into a movement, where there is a power that is far greater than your own power, and you are moved uh, to tears or emotion or or because I don't just wanna give you like examples because God can, God can touch the hearts of people however he chooses. But we've all walked into a place and we have felt this weight. And it's not a weight of condemnation. We know what that feels like. It's not this weight of, of condemnation. It's this weight of glory that we know that God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And that's the kind of church I want Go Church to be. I use this language a lot, and this is good for some of you business owners and leaders, but words create worlds. And so I use these words a lot, from the street to the seat. Come on, may they feel the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that by the time you pull into the parking lot, there is a peace that you don't always feel. There is a power that you don't always feel. There is a joy that you don't always feel. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So in revival, there is a genuine outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happened in Acts chapter 19, verse number one. So you have Apollos. Now, Apollos was sent to Ephesus to, to kind of pastor this house church. And eventually God calls him to go to Greece and he's gonna end up in Corinth. What's interesting though is that Apollos, who the Bible talks about in Acts chapter 18, verses 24, 25, 26, 27, and I think verse 28, that he is a true, genuine man of God. He loves the Lord, he knows the scripture, but he only knew about the baptism of John. So he was only preaching part of the scripture because he didn't have experience with the other person of God who is the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not telling you that at Go Church, we've got it all figured out and that JC is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But what I am telling you is you better be careful who's teaching and preaching you sit under. 
that even if they're true men of God or women of God, they need to know the whole truth because it is the whole truth that will set us free. That's a great place to say amen right there. It's not my job to try to protect you from parts of the Bible, nor is it my job to, to not be intentional about learning in my own walk with Christ the fullness of God so that I can stand on this platform every single Sunday and say, you can follow my example as I follow the example of Christ Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm preaching? So Paul, Apollos, he's only preaching about John's baptism. He gets on a boat. He goes to Corinth. Paul comes back to Ephesus right here. Paul comes to Ephesus, and there he encounters who? Disciples. Now, I'm not going to have you, you know, talk back the whole day, but I don't want you to go to sleep either, so that helps. Disciples are Christians. They're saved. They've repented of their sin. They've heard about the way. That's what it's called, the way, the gospel. They've given their heart to the Lord. So he's not talking to unsaved, unchurched, anti-churched, de-churched, atheist, agnostic people. He's talking to believers in Jesus Christ, the crucified Christ, the resurrected Christ. That, he's talking to disciples, and he asked these Christians, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, this is, this is challenging for many because watch this, I believe that the only way that you can ever get saved is by the Holy Spirit's convicting power. I believe that in Genesis chapter two, verse number seven, when God breathed his Ruach, his Holy Spirit into man, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. But don't miss this, everybody look at me. There is a difference though of the inflow of the Holy Spirit versus the outflow of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference of being wired for something and being plugged into power so that you can operate in the way that God designed for you to operate. Are you following me? He says, I, I know that you've been given the gift of salvation, but have you been given the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they said, look, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Why? Because their previous pastor had no personal experience with the Holy Ghost. Say that. Verse number three. So Paul said, so what have you been doing? What's been being taught? And listen, I'm all about five keys to get to a, a healthy financial place. I'm all about living your best life now. But let me tell you what we need. We need Holy Spirit's power. We need Holy Ghost's power. Man, the challenges and the chaos and the foolishness of this world, you need the Holy Spirit's power. Your children need the Holy Spirit's power. Your marriage needs the Holy Spirit's power. And he said, so, so what baptism do you receive? Well, we received John's baptism. And Paul said, well, listen, okay, that's, that's part because John's baptism is a baptism and a message of repentance. And you never... All, watch this, all of the other gifts that God makes available to you, you can never have one other gift until you get the first gift, the gift of grace and mercy and salvation and God's love, and you repent and confess. He said, John told the people to believe in the one that was coming after him, that's Jesus, and on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, they began to speak in tongues, and they prophesied. Now look, so many people who are unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit, you get so caught up on tongues. 
Man, stop getting caught up on tongues and get caught up in his presence. If you'll just get caught up in his presence, then whatever the Lord will gift you to do, you'll yield yourself to do it. Which, by the way, we got too many Pentecostal charismatic people that you talk in tongues on Sunday and you cuss on Monday. That ain't the Holy Ghost either. Look at somebody and say, well, he's back. <laughs> Laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. Now I've taught this to you before, as recent as week number one of this Binge the Bible season two series, and then Pastor Lisa, woman of God right there, y'all can't contain her. When she spoke from the West Side campus, she talked about this as well. There are actually three baptisms. And so often you're familiar with baptism one, which is being baptized into the body of Christ. So the day you give your heart to the Lord, the day you confess of your sin, you repent of your sin, you are baptized into the family of God. You are baptized into the body of Christ. That, that first baptism is eternal. It's eternal. It's where you will spend your forever, okay? And again, you don't get any other gift, any other baptism until you get that baptism. But then the very next baptism is water baptism. And this is external this is where you are making a public declaration of your commitment to Christ. Water baptism is not what saves you. Just like a marriage ceremony is not what makes you married. But why would you get married in secret and not tell anybody unless you had something to hide? So the same way with water baptism, it's going public to tell the whole world, I've given my life to Christ and the devil can't touch this. All right, that, that was from the you know, great prophet MC Hammer, you know. Can't touch this. Some of you, whatever. But then there is the third baptism, and that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this isn't eternal, and it's not even external to show everybody, hey, I got the Holy Ghost. Listen, the Holy Spirit's power isn't so I can be better than you. The Holy Spirit's power is so that I can be better than me. Oh, it is. But this is earthly, because again, like I preached you know, 30 seconds ago, we need a power greater than our own power to make a difference and to fulfill the Great Commission, which Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority has been given unto me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. It's where we get our name, Go Church. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything in which I have commanded, and I will be with you to the ends of the earth. Listen, how do you perpetuate the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth? How do you evangelize the whole world on your own power? Some of y'all have a hard time getting up in the morning when the alarm clock goes off. But when we've got power from the Holy Spirit, now we're able to do things that our natural power couldn't do. Am I preaching yet? All right, let me say one more thing. Our English word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo. If you're taking notes, that's spelled B-A-P-T-I-Z-O, baptizo. And baptizo literally comes from the process, from the Greek, it's like a Greek heritage, from the process of turning cucumbers into a pickle. Now I always say, the worst thing you can do to a cucumber is to turn it into a pickle. Any pickle haters out there, come on, where are you at? Okay, yeah, God bless all of you, anointed and chosen for such a time as this. The rest of you, you got issues. We'll figure this out. But what the Greeks would do, watch this, don't miss this. They would take a cucumber and they would baptizo it into vinegar or, or whatever the ingredients were. That word baptizo means an immersion. 
to submerge. So don't make me preach on pickles, my God. They would take a cucumber and they would baptizo it into vinegar and they would let it sit there as long as it took until it came out completely different than how it went in. So watch it. And I, hey, 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 don't clap yet because I'm gonna give you something to clap about. I'm not preaching down on denominations or other churches, but that's why at Go Church, we don't talk about sprinkling and spraying you. No, no, no. If you're gonna get baptized, baby, we're gonna dunk you. And for some of you, you need to stay a little longer than others. Look at somebody and say, yeah, he's talking to you now. You know, if, we, if we're gonna go, let's go all the way in. Watch, I don't wanna be sprinkled in my salvation. I don't wanna be sprinkled in my water baptism. I don't wanna be sprinkled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe I don't want ankle deep Christianity. I don't want knee deep relationship with Christ. I don't even wanna go waist deep. Ezekiel said in the prophecy, Ezekiel 47, I wanna get in a river that I can only swim in, baptizo. And that's point one of five. We ain't gonna make it. There ain't no way. I believe in miracles and it's gonna take one, all right? So that's the first like significant experience when radical revival, Holy Spirit. Watch this. You wanna know if it's real? You wanna know if it's genuine? When it's real, when the Holy Spirit is moving, when revival is real, oh man, let me, let me stand on my soapbox for 30 seconds. Titles don't matter. The songs we sing don't matter. What we do, what we don't, it doesn't matter. The gossip, it just disappears. And we, we really genuinely don't have a lot of that at Go Church, all right? It's a very, very healthy church, thanks be to God. I mean, there are churches that split over the color of carpet. That's ridiculous. When re radical revival comes, the Holy Spirit is here and watch. Everything the Holy Spirit does draws attention, not to us, but unto himself. Let's just honor the Lord right now. Come on, let's go. All right, I gotta move. Secondly, another experience during radical revival, right here in Acts 19, we see it, but there is a real commitment to the preaching of God's word. And I wanna say something. I try not to talk about other churches and other pastors because I got a, enough challenges in our own church, all right? I'm called to lead this church, no other church. That's a message for some of you too. You're so busy meddling in everybody else's business, you don't even see your own business. Okay, so I, I'm not trying to get in other churches business and what they do and what they don't do, but let me just make a general statement. Maybe the reason we're not seeing revival in America is because we've got too many men of God and women of God and televangelists that aren't preaching God's word, they're preaching their own word. They're not trying to build up the kingdom, they're trying to build their own kingdom. They're trying to create their own platform. They're trying to become Insta-famous and social media you know, worthy and, and all, hey, I'm not trying to become famous. I'm just trying to make Jesus famous. And listen, do you think I get on social media? I'm like, I wonder how many followers I've got today. I wish some people would unfollow me. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like if you would unfollow me, but anyway, man, we've got preachers and people that they're, that they're claiming to be preaching God's word, but they're preaching their own word. Acts 19, watch this. Paul, I, lo I love this, by the way. Paul gets to Ephesus and watch. When old boy shows up, he shows up. You know anybody that when they walk in the room, like you're like, oh, they're here. Well, they, they are here. I, I, I really genuinely, this is how I view my father-in-law, the bishop, Pastor Allen. 
you know, he, he, he doesn't even realize how much anointing is on his life. You know, and partly because he's only like Zacchaeus in height. And it's like here, you know. He's, not, he's preaching somewhere else, so I can throw a little joke there before I build him up. You gotta tear him down, then build him up. That's how I parent. Tear him down, then build him up. Te- anyway. But. but when he walks in the room, anointing, power. When I, when I get in the presence of my father-in-law, even when they come over just to swim in the pool or, or you know, ask me to cook, they've stopped cooking. It's me doing the cooking when they come over. Now, this, when we talk, it's like wisdom. Paul, Paul walks into Ephesus and he's like, the pastor's here. The pastor is here, right? And he, he walks into their synagogue. Imagine that. He walks into their synagogue and for three months, he preaches boldly, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. This is wild. And watch, so when people are repenting of their sin and they're giving their heart to the Lord, you better believe that the economy is turning. We talked about that because people are stopping, stop buying their bad habits and now they're, they're giving their, their, their uh, finances to advance the kingdom of God and all of that. So some people, they get angry, watch. Some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and they publicly maligned the way. So they kicked Paul out. You think that stopped the apostle Paul? He says, oh, you, you think this is the first portable church experience I've ever had? He said, kick me out. So he takes his disciples and he rents out a lecture hall from a man by the name of Tyrannus or Tyrannus, right? Ty- Tyrannus' name literally meant tyrant. And Paul takes his lecture hall over and theologians believe this. Because watch, I'll show you this verse and I'll show you what many theologians believe. This went on for two years. Many theologians believe that the apostle Paul rented this lecture hall from Tyrannus for two years. And every single day, except the Sabbath, because we are to keep the Sabbath holy. Paul went into the lecture hall, watch it again, and had daily discussions about the way. So six days a week, Paul preached the gospel. Six days a week from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. every single day. Because right in the middle of that time frame was uh, Ephesus' siesta, where people would take a break. Strategic. So six days a week, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, five hours every day, times 104 weeks, two years. Now, you can even do common core math and get the same result. Over 3,000 hours, the apostle Paul discipled the believers and evangelized the lost. What was the fruit of that? Watch, for two years, and all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Let me make a promise to you, Go Church. I know you're writing notes, but listen to the pastor's heart for a moment. As long as I have the grace to stand on this platform, I am gonna have an unwavering commitment to preach God's word, God's word. 
Listen, though none go with me, still I will follow and I will keep preaching. And there will come a day, you mark my words, where people storm in here to create chaos and confusion. They may even try to come and arrest me one day for the gospel that I preach. We'll start a prison ministry. Can I get an amen from somebody? Because I'm gonna stand on God's word. I wish you'd give me an amen right there. I'm gonna preach God's word until all of Coweta County hears the gospel, until all of the west side of Atlanta hears the gospel, until every city that God takes to go church, here's the gospel. We're going to be committed. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen, it's only the word of God and the Holy Spirit that can transform lives. We don't need more feel good about yourself messages. No, we need the power of God's word and the transformational power of the Holy Spirit. Five seconds right here. Come on. Come on. When all hell breaks loose, and I'm not speaking that over you, but if you've lived long enough, you know that storms come. You know what we need in the middle of a storm? No, we don't need to patty cake the devil. We need the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to speak truth, and truth sets us free. Woo, come on now. And that's point two. In a radical revival, there are extraordinary miracles. Extraordinary miracles. Oh, we're just walking through Acts 19. Look at, look at the very next verse, verse number 11. Watch, you, got, you wrote this down? Extraordinary miracles are experienced during radical revival. Look at verse number 11. God did extraordinary miracles. If you look at different translation of Scripture... The King James Version says, God did special miracles. The New Living Translation says, watch this, that God did unusual miracles. Now let me, let me just position a question. Are there ordinary miracles? Like are there non-special miracles? Oh, that's a miracle, but that's, that's not special. They're normal miracles? No. Well, so what made these miracles happening during the radical revival at Ephesus extraordinary? Watch, it's because Paul was so anointed by God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that power literally flowed from him. And, and people would even touch articles of clothing and those articles of clothing would go back to individuals that weren't even in the room, weren't even in the moment, and they were set free, delivered, and healed. That's verse number 12. Look, so the extraordinary miracles happened so that even like handkerchiefs and aprons that touched, you know, Paul were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Let me... I want that kind of extraordinary miracles here at Go Church. That even when people aren't a part of what's happening here, that when you leave here, you let what God does in here fill the streets out there. And, and you, you go back to your home, you go back to your job, you go back to your school, and they're, they're, you're full of it so much that it overflows unto others. That, that's what I want. Which, by the way, and some of you are new, many of you have been here for a while, but this is a church that actually believes that God can still perform miracles. Like, that's who we are. As a matter of fact, when man says it is impossible, God says, I am possible. 
We're not cessationists, meaning we don't believe that the gifts of the apostles or the spirit rather, or, or the miracle signs and wonders that happened during the days of the apostle died with the last apostle. No, we believe that, let me simplify it. If God did it then, God can do it now. And I'm not talking about superstitious weird stuff. I'm not superstitious. Well, outside of Georgia football games, that's different though. That's like a whole, like I'm gonna wear the same underwear every Saturday. Come on somebody, like, go, can I get a go dogs? Come on. All right, I'll get back into the spirit here. But I'm not superstitious, I'm not weird, but I also don't wanna reason my way out of a miracle. I don't want my, and, and, and I'm not very intellectual, but I don't want my limited intellect to talk myself out of faith that's needed to get the miracle. And let me tell you, God is doing miracles here. This isn't me just blowing smoke. Like I'm telling you, the God's honest truth that God is doing miracles. We had a lady during the revival that she was, she was diagnosed with cancer. This is last Monday and she was going to the doctor to get a PET scan. She got to the doctor, they did the scan and it came back and the doctor said, well, the cancer's gone. What? We had another lady this week say that they had a school bill that was due before school started of $4,000. Didn't have the $4,000 to pay for the bill. So she prayed and prayed and prayed, went through this, you know, nights of revival and asking God to do an unusual miracle, a special miracle. And watch, the school called and said, hey, the board met about your unpaid bill and we decided just to wipe it clean. Had a, a, a hey, look at me. This week, this week, right, we had another individual that had to have a, a, a surgery that's coming up and they didn't have the money after the insurance covered their part. They still needed like $3,000. And unexpectedly, out of nowhere, from an individual they had never even met, this person came up to that person and said, The Lord told me to give you $5,000. Now, watch. I'm not telling you that because like I'm some name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, say it, have it kind of preacher. But what I am trying to do is build your faith to believe that God sees your need, God knows your need, and God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Yesterday, yesterday, during first Saturday prayer, a lady came up to me in tears weeping. Pastor JC, for 10 years, my niece has been estranged. She got into an argument with her, my, this lady's sister, so the young girl's mom. They got into a conflict, and for 10 years, this girl left the family, not one point of contact in 10 years. She went on to have children, and the family had never even met the children. And then this week, this daughter calls her mom crying and say, it's time for me to come home. She comes home, they reconcile, repent of the brokenness, and God restores that thing together. Now listen, my voice is gonna go out before the end of the day, so you're gonna get the best of me, not the rest of me. You listen to these words coming out of my mouth. Whatever it is you need, God is able. I rebuke cancer in the strong name of Jesus. I rebuke sickness in the strong name of Jesus. If you are bound in bondage and addiction, whom the Son set free is free indeed. If your marriage is broken, God can restore that thing and put it back together. If you've got a prodigal son, 
You've got a prodigal daughter. God can reunite that thing. He'll get all the glory. He'll get all the honor. He'll get all the praise. Because hard God can do what man cannot do. Let me get 150 people to declare over your problem, over your fear, over your situation, that God can do extraordinary miracles. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody praise your way to your victory. Come on. Hey. Hey, look at me. Grab a seat. Some of you are exhausted. You had not stood up that long in forever. I am tired of playing church games. I am tired of going through the motions. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but soon and very soon, he will return. And in these last days, listen to me, we're gonna tap into the supernatural things of God and we are going to see miracles. This is the year of God's miracles. In January, we declared Psalm 77, 14 over this house. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. Show us your glory. Show us your power. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. And all, hey, all of that is great. Pastor JC, wow. Welcome back. So good. Until this one. Because in the middle of radical revival, there will be spiritual warfare. Do you think that the devil, with everything that God is doing in your house and in this house, the devil's like, well, be all right. No, the devil is angry and he's mad. And the Bible says that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And listen to me, I want you to see this. Let's go to the very next verse. Verse 13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. This is what they would say. In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preached, I command you to come out. These were known as the seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priests. Those are the ones that were doing this. I don't know why I love this, but I actually love it. One day the evil spirit was like, all right, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who you be? Who are you? And let me tell you, I think we've got a lot of people that they walk into the spiritual warfare without their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ, trying to ride on the coattails of someone else's faith to overcome the spiritual demonic oppression that has attached itself to you and your family. So watch, I come to you in the name of the Jesus that Pastor JC preaches is not gonna give you your breakthrough or victory. I come to you in the name of the Jesus that, that my spouse believes in is not gonna give you the breakthrough and the victory that you need. I come to you in the name of the Jesus that my grandmother believed in will not give you the victory. Which, by the way, watch this. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. And my son and my daughter, Lakeland in London, because they know me and they're in relationship with me, they get access, they get right, they get privilege because we have the same last name. So watch, they get what you don't get because they're in my family. My kids can come sleep in my bed, swim in my pool, eat my food. If you do that, do you know what you get? 
jail time. That's called trespassing. Can I get an amen from somebody? Right? But if we are in relationship, and that's what, that's what God is looking for. And watch this. And I get it. There are some people that they are overly spiritually obsessed with the supernatural. And it's weird. It's weird. But I think the majority, you're just truly unaware that there is a world just as real as the world you see. And every day, the devil and his demons are assigned to destroy you. The devil doesn't want your marriage to be blessed. The devil doesn't want your children to be blessed. The devil doesn't want your career to be blessed, your calling to be blessed. Why do you think it's been so hard? Some of you are like, well, I just got bad luck. No, baby, it ain't bad luck. No, it's the enemy who's terrified of you stepping into your true identity and true calling. So he has unleashed hell against you and you can't walk around like an itinerant Jewish exorcist while I come to you in the name of the Jesus that Paul preached about. Have your own personal relationship with Christ and then you take authority. Watch this, listen to me. The moment you accept Jesus, you get keys. Keys give you access and you get your own power. You can lay hands on your family. You can lay hands on your spouse, which some of you need to do. You can lay hands on your money. You can lay hands on your mind. You can lay hands on your heart. You can lay hands. Hey, I know this sounds as dumb as you think it is, but I knew coming back today, the enemy would be after me. And wouldn't you know it, yesterday afternoon at about three o'clock, our air conditioned unit went kaput, gone. Kimberly came, she said, hey babe, I don't know if this is a big deal, but it's 81 degrees inside. So as a preacher, I turned everything into a sermon. I said, you think this is hot? Think about hell. Come on, somebody. And I, I listen, laugh at me. That's fine. It ain't no, you can laugh at me. But I went outside and I laid hands on my AC unit. In the name of Jesus, we just came back from vacation. Daddy ain't got no more money. Come on, somebody. A, a, a gentleman that attends our church, I text him and said, hey, in the next few days, can you come take a look at our AC unit? He wrote back, are you preaching tomorrow? I said, yes, sir, I'm back. He said, I can't let you get up there being hot. I'll be there in 45 minutes. Fixed it at no cost. Now, hey, some of you are like, can I get his number? <laughs> when you get your own walk with the Lord, you get your own favor. You get your own blessing. Y'all wanna, well, I get your, no, no. You don't want my anointing. You don't want my favor. You know why? Because I went through hell and high water to get my anointing, to get my blessing, to get my favor. Now, if you want to walk the same struggle, you want to keep walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But if you'll just keep on keeping on and not give up, you give your heart to the Lord. I'm telling you that God will bless you because of your faithfulness. Come on and give Jesus the best praise. Woo! I feel good. All right. The last one is this, they're coming to the keys. You know what it means when they come to the keys? Nothing. It makes you think we're done, it's nothing. Radical life change, radical life change. Let me tell you, if, if Pentecostal charismatics are guilty of anything, we're guilty of the emphasis on feeling, F-E-E-L-I-N-G, how I feel. I love what Dr. Mark Rutland said on Wednesday night, I believe it was him, that it doesn't really matter during the revival how high you jump or loud you shout. 
How straight will you walk? Is there real radical life change or is this just feeling? And this does something to you like on the outside, but no real life change on the inside. Paul is preaching to the church at Ephesus and, and I mean, God is just pouring out his glory. People are getting saved and watch. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, very next verse, Acts 19, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. And many of those who believe, they came and openly confessed what they had done. Radical revival is a revival that's centered on God's grace for your life so you can confess your sins. That word there is renunciation, which means abandonment. Like what are you willing to lay down? What are you willing to leave behind? Verse 19, a, a number of those who had practiced sorcery, they brought their scrolls together and they burned them publicly. I remember years ago, years ago as a youth pastor, how many of you remember CDs, like an actual CD in your car? You remember CD? We had a CD burning. Come on, somebody. Bring all your CDs. We're gonna burn them in the fire. You know, they, the reason for that was just the symbolism of I'm gonna lay this thing down that's been holding me from pursuing Christ. I wonder what is in your life that you need to lay down and burn up? And watch, it, it may not be the same for the person next to you as it is for you. But what is God challenging you to lay down and just burn them, bring to the altar and lay it here? Some of you, man, you've been walking in such bondage and stronghold and God just wants to, he wants to strip that off of you. He wants you to have freedom. John 10, 10, I quoted it earlier, for the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. The second half, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, life to the full. God wants you to have a full life, an abundant life. Let's lay some stuff down and watch. When they calculated the value of everything that was burned, the total came to 50,000 pieces of silver. In today's monetary value, that's up to $5 million of junk that was burned at the altar. Here's my closing thought. What are you willing to give up in order to grow up? What will you lay down so that you can go higher Lay down the sin, lay down the burden, lay down the stronghold. I can't do it on my own, you're right. That's why through an intimate relationship with Jesus, you get a power greater than your own. And I believe what happened in Ephesus can happen in your home, can happen in this house, and can happen in America. This is how we started it, let's end it the same. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. A radical Acts 19 revival always has the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, extraordinary miracles, spiritual warfare, but changed lives. Can we honor the Lord and bless the Lord for the Word today? Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I'm going to put this on the screen. Two questions. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart today? What's my next step in this faith journey? Nobody leave just yet. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Take 30 seconds. Pastor David's coming here. Campus pastors on the west side in Moco. 30 seconds. This is your prayer. What the Holy Spirit speak to my heart today and what are my next steps? And then we'll dismiss you.